Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Lisa Burke Show. It's so lovely to have you all with us here. If you're watching us on RTL Play, if you're listening to us on RTL Today Radio, if you're listening to us on podcast, Apple or Spotify, please subscribe, rate, review, blah, 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 blah. It really does help. <laughs> and of course, you can catch us on RTL Today in the articles, along with so much other news. Now, today's show is going to be about radio. It's going to be about Radio Luxembourg, the original Radio Luxembourg. And with me in the studio, I've got Jenna Aldis, uh, the daughter of a very famous broadcaster indeed, who we'll hear much more about in a little while. And of course, a voice that so many people in Luxembourg know, which is Benny Brown, legendary voice of Luxembourg Radio. You just keep talking. We, we, <laughs> we, we like what you're saying. That's very kind, Benny. And as always, we have Sasha Keogh, who's going to take us on a reflection of the week's news. Sasha, how are you? I'm very well and very entertained by... Um, the balloons, toys? Balloons and toys this week. Oh, balloons in the news. Yes, yes. So I thought you meant the toys in front of us. I'm, oh, I'm very entertained by those too. Yeah, standing here, if you are listening to us, uh, Benny has brought in quite an array of toys, including a part of the antennae of old Radio Luxembourg, which we, we will come to, but it's, it's sitting there right in front of me. But talking about balloons, other things up in the air. Uh, yeah, they have kept us on our toes this week. Well, it's transfixed the public, hasn't it? Uh, You know, what are they? We've had four uh, over the states that we know about, which have been shot down entertainingly. Well, and but only one has been actually confirmed as a Chinese spy balloon. And I can't believe that the White House had to come out uh, on Monday and actually say these are not UFOs. Um, <laughs> I know. I was listening to that. First, isn't it? <laughs> I know. It's incredible what some people think might be real. But uh, I mean, who's to say? Who's to say what's real and not real? That's a philosophical rabbit hole that we won't go down. <laughs> well, we, but we still don't know what, what these other three balloons um, are. So uh, President Biden uh, last night in his press conference uh, said that they... they they believe they are not Chinese spy balloons. They don't believe that they are spy balloons at all, that they could have been hired uh, by private companies. Um, so, yes, it's the, the, the jury's still out. But meanwhile, we find out that there are balloons everywhere, you know, that the, there are Russian balloons over Ukraine. And, uh, you know, the New York Times kind of did a, a, a wonderful illustration of what, what there is out there in the sky. And I think, you know, at what altitudes. And I think we've all suddenly become aware that there are, there's a lot more in the skies than, than we, were, we knew of before. That's absolutely right. Well, I do know there were all sorts of weather balloons up there. But yes. there are so many layers to our atmosphere, so many different orbits where different things happen, different temperatures, different all sorts of things up there. And it's getting quite busy up there. It's a first that the Americans are sending out fighter jets to shoot them down, isn't it? Whatever they are. Yeah. I was also just going to add that this week we have GovSatcom, which is a space and defence event, which I know quite a lot about because I attended every year. And um, and you learn a lot about the different parts of the atmosphere in that. So it is, it's nice that we're actually drawing attention to other parts of the world off the ground into space, which is becoming a much more economically viable space as well. And yes, there's all sorts up there. So I think we do need to learn much more about what's above us rather than in front of us as well. Yes. And it's obviously really fueling the public's imagination, yes. isn't it? Yeah. So, so maybe this was, these were things that scientists knew about, uh, weather scientists, uh, defence analysts, Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think your, your average person on the street didn't really know what was going on. I think that's true. Moving to the saddest news of all over the last couple of weeks, the earthquake. Which has still dominated the news, obviously. Um, you know, the, but um, 
you know, there's, there's always a, a little ray of hope, even in the worst of worst situations. We know that uh, the numbers are like over 41,000 dead and that aid has been very, very slow in coming, in particular to Syria, where only this week um, two border crossings were finally open so that aid convoys could come through. But it's obviously way too late for so many people. And uh, we know the conditions are horrendous. It's cold and uh, the infra- sort of infrastructure and get- getting help there has been very, very difficult. But when I was talking about hope, there is still hope because only yesterday two girls were, or two women were, were still taken out of the rubble after 258 hours, this, this 20-year-old woman, and she's still alive and... and you know, chances are very good that she will survive. So when they had said that the search and rescue operation part was was over and they were going to just now help, um, you kind of feel for these people that actually there is still hope and there is still a chance of, of getting people out from the rubble. Yeah, it's um, it, it's brutally sad and there are not words. The pictures describe it best of all and even so. the, the ways in which the pictures are being taken and the stories of the photographers are extremely poignant. I've been reading some of those stories and how the journalism gets done in a place like that. How the organisation of such help gets done in a situation like that is um, absolutely extraordinary. And I just, you know, obviously like the rest of the world, wish them well and I wish I could do more. But um, at least we can draw attention to the help that is required there. Yes, I mean, the aid organisations here in Luxembourg have been very vocal and as has the UN, um, you know, asking for money, though, sort of not not for materials or clothes or goods, but really their people on the ground know best what needs to be... um, Absolutely, where where the money needs to be spent. And um, I'm sorry about another kind of ongoing sad story. It is coming up to the one year anniversary of the start of the Ukraine war. Yes, which is unbelievable, isn't it? Mm. Um, So, yes, it was on the 24th of February last year that um, we first heard of the invasion. Um, So we're coming up. It's it's next week. And so there's been a lot of uh, retrospectives, a lot of analysis. Um, Again, um, photographers, uh, you know, there's been a lot of... uh, photos from the last year which are so moving in that you know war photography is such a an art isn't it it is an art you know one picture sums up a thousand words of what what you can say and um and of course you know there's the uh security conference going on in Munich this this weekend so all a uh, lot of the world's defense chiefs include and heads of state are meeting again um, to talk about you know what can we be done uh, the NATO meeting took place during the week um, where uh, again, heads of state were saying um, we cannot talk about fighter jets at this moment. We've actually just got to get the ammunition and the heavy weaponry to Ukraine uh, that we've promised. There's, you know, there's always delays between promises and actual deliveries. Um, and, you know, President Zelensky is still doing the rounds, asking for more and for more and for more. And yeah. His stamina is incredible, in fact. And Belarus is just becoming to get mentioned more in the news as well. Yes, so we'll keep an eye on that. It doesn't it's getting any better. And uh, yeah, watch this week. Uh, next week, I don't think it's going to be. And as you mention Belarus, you must also bring up Moldova, yeah. which is also a flashpoint. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, sadly, I mean, one would hope that after a year, I don't know a year ago if we thought it would last a year. It's hard when you're in this situation to know where the end might be in sight. But in fact, Benny, I'm sorry to jump, but reading your biography, you were part of the Vietnam War. 
It's been a long time ago, Lisa. Uh, yeah, but um, I mean, did you feel, can you feel when you're in it where an end might come? It never goes away. I mean, when, if, if, you, if you've been in active military service, that stays with you for life. There, there's no avoiding that. But when you're in it, when you're in that, can you feel an end point to the war that you're in? You keep looking forward to it. Yeah, it's, it's something that never leaves, never leaves your conscious uh, thinking. You, you want it to end. You want to go home. You want it to be over. You wish it hadn't happened. You wish you weren't there. But that's not the way it works. Yeah. Well, uh, moving to something much more hopeful and positive. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And it yes. feels almost sad for us to be uh, allowed to enjoy ourselves <laughs> compared to all of those tragic stories we've just been speaking about. But it is Carnival Weekend. Yes, exactly. And we've got the heavy stuff out of the way now. So uh, Carnival <laughs> uh, in, in Germany and, and Luxembourg is, is obviously... Uh, very big celebration and uh, yesterday it was the big kickoff in Germany it's called Weiberfastnacht when uh, traditionally the ladies are allowed to cut off men's ties I love this and I love it this gets story. worse it gets worse my wife was driving home yesterday <laughs> and, and she was passing through Germany uh, one of the border towns and a bunch of women uh, that were not in their fittest state <laughs> <laughs> were hanging around this, this road junction and they were stopping all the cars and saying there's a toll on this road. You have to pay to continue to, 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 to drive. Or else what happens? Well, I think she had to pay five euros <laughs> or, 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 or contribute so, so that these ladies could, could have another round. I mean, it, it was very entertaining. Oh, so it was even against women driving. Well, in, in this case, it was against anybody that was coming down <laughs> the road. You know, you had, they were all out there, all dressed up and, and, and lots of makeup on and having a good time and carousing and, and, and charging a toll to continue to drive down the road. That is so funny. Well, that's brilliant because I was thinking, of course, uh, very few men nowadays wear ties. So there's not much tie cutting that can be done anyway. You'd have to think of something else that's to cut. Mm-hmm. Is that the office? I was trying to find someone. No. <laughs> No tie today. (laughs) (laughs) And so this weekend it's big party time. Even in Luxembourg, in Dikirsch, you've got this uh, cavalcade. Yes, and this is huge. Yes, tens of thousands of people. Yes, I mean this is enormous numbers for Luxembourg. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I have to admit, I've never been. I've I've been to many carnival events in Germany, but uh, never 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 to the one in Luxembourg. And then, of course, you see pictures of the carnival in Rio, and it kind of puts it all into the, a, a, a little bit of perspective. <laughs> well, the <laughs> weather think... situation is another complication. I mean, you look at the pictures from Rio and what they're wearing, and yeah, the temperature here is not equivalent. But no. this year is the first time in Rio as well that they've they've gone after COVID that it's back really back on form. So it'll be uh, yeah something to kind of really look forward to the photos afterwards. We could start a movement where we we move carnival and 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 all of the fashing festivities to the warmer month of the year. We could have it in July. I think we could have nice. it in August. We don't have to have it in, in in the early part of February. There we go, Benny. There's another thing you can just yeah. add on to your your list of duties to make sure <laughs> happen. We'll petition for that. Um, wolf sighting. Yes, so this is another st- <laughs> recurring story in Luxembourg, isn't it? That yes. There's, there's always um, wolf sightings in the north of Luxembourg. But this is good. This is good worried. news. But this one is actually a confirmed wolf sighting <laughs> because... The, DNA the, evidence. Exactly, there is DNA <laughs> evidence. The wolf left some hair in the barbed wire, which was then analysed by a laboratory in Germany, and they said it was a male Central European wolf. So it yeah. wasn't just... It's not just a, you know, yeah, yeah, I saw a wolf two weeks ago. Um, it is... 
officially confirmed by the authorities here that there was a wolf near Vincrange. This is well, very that good That beats the panther. We had a panther running through the woods a while back, if you remember. Or was I it a ja- It was a jaguar or a panther or one of the one of those big cats. Where in here, here, oh, really? absolutely. Oh, sure. He, he, they 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 traced him and they they managed to to put a tracking unit on him and My he, Lord. Went, he went into Belgium through, up through the Ardennes and came back. Oh this, oh, this guy was a mover. Good for him. And was this one that escaped from a zoo? I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> I, I don't know how this how that story ends, but I do remember that it was. It's been about two years ago. Two That's the thing years. with news. We often have start. the beginnings of stories. We don't always have the end. Of yeah, stories. That is true. The follow-up doesn't always. Come, it's true. It? It's true. Um, another lovely thing happening, um, which is just uh, kicked off, is the Berlin Film Festival. Yes, so that also kicked off on Thursday evening, and um, you know it's 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 always interesting. It's a bit more serious than a lot of the other film festivals. Um, so they they have uh, you know it's the anti-regime protests in Iran and, the, um, and and Ukraine. So they're concentrating on these two subjects. And interestingly, um, Sean Penn, the Hollywood actor, of course, has been in Ukraine and followed uh, President Zelensky and made a documentary of him. This will be premiered as. Yeah. Well, as a competition of films. So there's lots of interest for Luxembourg as well because the Luxembourgish actress Vicky Kreeps yes. has a new film uh, which is being shown at the uh, Berlin Film Festival as well as lots of other stars. And Yeah, she's doing show. so well. And the uh, Sean Penn documentary is called Superpower. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. President Zelensky uh, also uh, will be switched by video conference. Um, or has, uh, sorry, it's already happened. It was last night at the premiere of the documentary. So there's a, there's always a kind of political connection and, and, you know, as well as just the red carpet. So I think it's yeah, wonderful. They have a serious element. And keeping to the politics, Nicola Sturgeon is resigning. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I have to admit that I kind of... Um, ignored this story a bit uh, on mm. the news because I thought it was quite domestic but I'm um, and I'm really surprised how much traction it's getting in Europe um, yeah. and I think it's because of the female politician resigning saying it's it's all a bit too much so following you know that's that seems to be the narrative that it follows uh, the New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern resigning she said she had, didn't have enough in the tank and and Nicola Sturgeon had said something quite similar and it was quite an emotional resignation speech um, but I don't know if it's uh, a male trait to say words like that. It's not very powerful or alpha to say it's too much for me. Yes. It, it's a, a much more female phrase, I would have thought. Um, and I think it's quite powerful to say that. I personally think it's powerful to say I need somebody else to do this job because eight years of this, uh, well, you know, however many years you are at n- running at that level with your phone never turned off, never, never resting, that takes a toll on a body. Absolutely. I mean, but, you know, cynics are saying, but also she she felt she had to resign, not because she's tired of the job, but because she has <laughs> everything on, on Scottish independence for yeah. the next elections. And it seems that that is less popular now yes. am- amongst the Scottish population. And she also has seems to have got herself into major trouble about uh, transgender issues. So... You know, but, but all this contributes to her saying, I've had enough, Some, someone else needs to do it, which is 
very rare in politics. It is. And I think, um, yeah, we need some fresh air in Scottish politics. I think that would be a good thing. They have uh, not had quite so many turnover politicians as we've seen in... Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, she's seen through five leaders, I think it was. Yes, exactly. It? Yeah. So, well, good, good for her. I hope she can have a break. Now, um, moving to a terribly sad story. Um, the boy, well, one of the boys that was rescued in the, the Thai cave episode oh. has died aged yeah, 18. Terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. He had After so much. what ahead. those kids went through and yeah. they saved them all. Yeah. And, and to die in the UK going to some sort of sporting school that he, that he passed away at. I, mean, I, I can't pronounce his name because it's got every, every letter in the alphabet <laughs> in, 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 in the man's name. Uh, but it, it, it's one of those things that it really hits you say, jeepers, what this kid's been through and, and to die like this. We don't know his reason, the cause of death exactly, do we? Seems to have been a head injury. Sudden death. Yes, yeah. Yes. yeah. But as, as exactly as you said, I mean, this was for once a good news story. Yeah. And, you know, we mm. all followed it and so, you know, so excited that they came out and came out in such good fettle, yeah. good condition. And yeah, it's heartbreaking. I yeah. was really upset about this story this week. I think his name is Duang Pech shortened to Dom, yes. for the reasons you've just suggested, <laughs> uh, Promtep. Um, yeah, so we wish his family all the best because you know, he really was a torch of hope and light. Well, he was the captain of the team. Yes, he was. He was the captain of the squad, absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Valentine's Day. Now, I, I picked up on this story as well. I love this story. Um, there were quite a few... Uh, Valentine's anti-Valentine messages going around. My my favorite one was the Banksy picture. That was my favorite one. But this is one that comes up annually on Valentine's Day. It's here important. In Valentine's Day is really important. You got to keep your got to keep your relationship going. I mean, oh, oh, well, absolutely. Says I'm, he I'm, who I'm has a one. Big believer in Valentine's. Oh, Day. that's because I'm such a sentimental person. You see, and <laughs> and actually th- this year. Is this true, or is oh, he just putting no, my leg? Th- 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 these are facts, Lisa. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I wanted to do something kind of special, so I bought my wife, I bought her some perfume, and she wasn't really impressed. <laughs> and, I, and, and I thought to myself, well, I mean, I, I got her, I got her the, the big perfume. Not, it wasn't just a small, small bottle. I mean, it came in a five-gallon can. Oh, Lord. Oh, five-gallon <laughs> can of perfume. Well, well luckily, then, Ladies you're aren't not... impressed, I and mean, I did the best I could do. <laughs> well, she's lucky to have you, I'm sure, Benny. Oh, she, she's smiling here in the corner oh, at us. Yeah. Um, but the story is the one of the Luxembourgish language. This entertained foreigners a yeah. lot here that there is no Luxembourgish wor- verb for love. So that in, <laughs> that in Luxembourgish you say, ich hundisch so excuse my accent, uh, or ich say, froh mit dir. So that roughly translates to, I like you a lot, or I'm happy with you, but you can't actually say, I love you. And this this, this really on the website just uh, had so many comments and, you know, the, the whole etymology of the word. Because there is a word love, isn't there, in Luxembourgish? We need what? to, Leift. Do, we need Leift. to Leift. get Leift. Leift is love. Yes, but you don't okay, actually to say. You, to use it in, in a sentence, you're, that's how the Luxembourgish use it. It doesn't sound as romantic as je t'aime, yes. I love you. But there you are. They do use it. <laughs> But love is a very complicated say. verb or adjective. It's 
it's a word that has many meanings. And so to have other words that mean that or to construct a sentence in a different way, I can understand that. They use the word uh, leif, that means love. But in the sentence, I love you, they would say, That's yeah. how they... So you can't use, it's just not a verb. Mm. That, that's the difference. I see. So there's no see? verb... To love in any kind of capacity. Apparently there to was love. back in the day. <laughs> oh, before I was born. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Like in the back 16th in the century. Day. And then it slowly dropped. Oh, as did as did the capacity to <laughs> love. Oh my well, god. I don't think it's representative of the Luxembourgish um, heart yeah. on yeah. Valentine's Day. But it, it, it was a quite an entertaining story this week. That is funny. It, it comes up regularly. Well, annually, in fact. Um, and then, of course, another one that. Uh, got a lot of resonance online with the no-shows at restaurants. Yes, it seems that people here are very relaxed about cancelling their bookings in restaurants. And uh, as we know, the, the gast gastronomic uh, industry here is, you know, it's fin finding life very tough. And and so a no-show is is costly, very costly and very irritating, I imagine, as well, when you're keeping empty tables. And so one restaurant owner dared to actually speak out and say that, you know, that he, he was not prepared to carry on just taking bookings without a credit card uh, confirmation. Uh, sorry, not a confirmation, but like an author, a pre-authorization. And, um, and as Dave, people have jumped in to criticise him, which personally I find very unfair because... It really doesn't take much to cancel a, a booking for four people when you yeah. you're going out for dinner. I saw some of the comments. It kind of regularly brings up the tap water. Yes, <laughs> it's very vicious, and you are, you, are, you do want to encourage um, <laughs> restaurants and bars to keep going, don't you? I mean, after COVID and yeah. the, the cost of living, uh, I th I th and the rents in Luxembourg, I think it must be quite difficult to keep a business going. Yeah. I think we all understand that. And yes, on the tap water comments that we're getting in on this story, for anybody outside of Luxembourg, many, 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 most restaurants here in Luxembourg do not provide tap water. You have to pay for water and it is quite costly. Well, as always, Sasha, thank you so much. It's thank you. Thank you. The Lisa Burke Show. Now, turning to my two guests today, we're going to have a really great deep dive into what was Radio Luxembourg, the great Radio Luxembourg in its heyday. With me, I have Janet Aldis, who is the daughter of Barry Aldis, a former DJ on 208 Radio Luxembourg. And with, to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to have you here. And you're here for a very special reason, because with the help of Freddie Cannon, you've brought about this wonderful song, a project in honour of your father who died very suddenly a while back and you've also written a book so we'll talk more about that and also in the studio I have Benny Brown you've heard him already of course and a little bit about Benny Brown if you don't know him San Francisco is your hometown you had your first uh, job in radio sort of in Hawaii of all places by mowing the grass you say at the local radio station in return for free records that's true <laughs> <laughs> and, and I bugged the program radio. Let, let me can I come in the studio can I please do this can I please do that and he said well I I really need someone to mow the grass out front. So that was your first foray into Radio Land. Absolutely. Went home, got my dad's lawnmower, got the family lawnmower, brought it down to the radio station, filled it full of gasoline, and cut the grass. In exchange. And, for and he records. didn't pay me any money. He gave me free free records. Yes. Yeah. And then after that, you, um, as we already spoke about, served in the military in Vietnam. 
on the air with AFN in Frankfurt, then lured to Radio Luxembourg in 1979 by Tony Prince. Um, And then, as we'll discuss more, Radio Luxembourg was at that time the world's most powerful commercial radio station. And Benny, you were working with their medium and shortwave broadcasts, as well as with Luxembourg's community radio. Community radio. Yeah. That, that was so much fun. It was great. It was our local connection. We didn't have a we didn't have a connection yeah. to Luxembourg itself. We were based here, of course. Absolutely. And and the bio goes on. Of course, you were based in London, and you've been hosting the American Top Forty and eight years here at RTL Radio Litzenbush. Yeah. And uh, and now you're at. Radio Hundukomma Sieben. So uh, many people regard you as the last man standing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one way. In Radio of mm-hmm. Luxembourg. But uh, let's start with a little bit of background. I'm going to turn to you first, Benny, to set up for those who don't know much about uh, 208 Radio Luxembourg. Mm-hmm. Set the scene for us. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a time when when Radio Luxembourg came from this small country located in the middle of Europe and to give you an example, there were there were students in the UK studying geography, <laughs> and their teacher said, "Well, now look at this, look at that, and 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 there's there's this country over here, and there's this country over here, and look here, Italy goes way down into the Mediterranean." And one of the students pointed out and said, "said Look, they've even named a country after our radio station. It's Radio Luxembourg." Well, it's very interesting you say that because Radio Luxembourg. I'm turning to you now, Janet, was uh, actually listened to much more outside of Luxembourg. So when you talk to your friends... Here in Luxembourg? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Radio Luxembourg was not for the Luxembourgers. It was really for the UK, for Scandinavia, and right up to uh, America. I mean, when I am uh, think back my my dad's time, which was the 50s and the 60s, um, when he was Mr. Top 20 and... 12 million people listened to him as soon as he had his show. I mean, who can say that today of a radio presenter? It's astonishing figures. Yeah. Yeah. And and there were global figures. Mm-hmm. They were global figures. So he really was a, a, a name and a face and a voice. Um, and just turning back to hear a little bit more about the story then. So yeah, the, you, so this geography student said, this is our radio station. <laughs> exactly. this, is, this kid thought that Luxembourg uh, was the name of a radio station as opposed to the name of a small nation. <laughs> And, and, of course, that, that, that's an isolated instance, obviously. But the fact is that with, in, in those days, the high-power aspects of medium-wave broadcasting, not like today where it's all FM, in the days of medium-wave broadcasting, Radio Luxembourg, the great 208, was an absolute monster. And you've got a bit of the monster literally well, I, I, in front of you. I, I, I wish that, that those of you listening with podcasts or or, 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 or on radio, radio. <laughs> could, could actually see what I've brought in here. This is a, this is an antenna uh, piece that came off the Marnock transmitter, complete with the red light on the top of the on the top of the fixture that, that intermittently blinked. Of course, the red light has nothing to do with broadcasting. It's to warn airplanes. Not to hit yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it was one of the most powerful at the time. It was the most powerful commercial radio. I mean, we, we have to specify and, and make sure that we say commercial because obviously we were in it for the money. Um, uh, whereas other operations like the Voice of America and the BBC, Radio France International, these operations are public service broadcasters. And there's a big difference. 
There is a big difference. So uh, I, I can vouch for the fact that this little bit of antennae is very heavy indeed. <laughs> and it's not the only bit of... Uh, well, you've got a lot of merch from the time, I believe, and you've got all sorts of books well, and everything I, with you. I, I brought these books in because they tell the story. I mean, there. This is here's the Radio Luxembourg story, Radio Luxembourg 79. Here's a book in, in a Polish language, remembering I, Radio Luxembourg in the People's Republic of Poland. So it really was something that set the scene for not only the voice of... Cent- well, it wasn't just Central Western Europe, it really transmitted right across, like you say, to so many other countries. And so turn to you, you, Janet, then tell us a little bit about your father. He was Australian by birth, but how did he end up in Luxembourg? Well, actually, he was traveling with three friends across Europe. And, uh, well, he stopped a long time in, in London and he did various jobs. He was a, he was even selling ice cream on an, uh, Lloyd's uh, uh, tricycle in Hyde Park. <laughs> Got a picture there somewhere. <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah. yeah. Well, he started out in radio back home in Australia with uh, uh, 4BH Brisbane as well. And then he always loved radio. And he got he got a call and the job was offered, Radio Luxembourg. And so that's why he came to Luxembourg. And he married a Luxembourger. Yes, and that's why he stayed in Luxembourg. <laughs> As so and many the do. result is, well, me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and tell us about his rise, because he really was a face and a voice. Right, he, yes. It Which was. I must, sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but in fact, I don't think you realised how no. great. I had no idea because... Until he died. And, exactly, yeah. because he died unexpectedly. And uh, and it was when he died for about two months. Every day we received these boxes of sympathy cards, and I'm thinking, oh, all these people knew my dad, and I, because living, growing up. I mean, I I was at school and I was at boarding school. I mean, we lived kind of parallel lives. I didn't know what, what mommy and daddy were doing. <laughs> so um, and that's when I went on a track. I wanted to find out who he was, and I. And uh, luckily, um, well, Rodney Collins from um, um, the headquarters in London, 38 Hartford Street, he he set up a, uh, an office for me. And so I started there. I started with a few names and that then um, I was expanded to 50 interviews. Uh, yes, from uh, radio presenters to the music industry, even some other artists. And I even went up to Norway. And that was amazing because the way they treated me it was as if I was very special. In fact, it was for my dad, but I got a little bit of the taste of how it's like when you are well-known. And a one little anecdote was um, dad was actually touring in Norway with Roger Moore at the time, and they both had to be on stage at the same time. And I was told, well, the fans, they were crazy, crazy to see my dad because they knew the voice. They wanted to see the flesh and blood. Roger Moore, well, yeah, okay. He, he was James Bond. They already saw him. But they wanted dad live up front. And he was yeah. a, a very handsome man. I've seen the photographs. He was a very handsome oh, man indeed. Here he is. I had to bring my, my book along. Right. Absolutely. He, he's very yeah. James Bond-esque well, himself, in fact. Oh, I think it's funny because, okay, in those days... Well, he wore a tie. Now, you have to think, he was on radio, so no one saw him, but he went to work wearing his suit and tie. Yeah, it was a different generation. Different There's generation, yeah. 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 But it's funny because that's not at all the, the image. I, I mean, I grew up with Radio Luxembourg. And I also am a big fan because I grew up in Munich. I listened to AFN all the time. Uh-huh. So um, it's, the, it's the music, you know. And uh, But Radio Luxembourg, so you didn't expect 
that DJs would be in suits and ties, I have to say, being an avid listener in my teens. Right, exactly. If I may just uh, add to that, well, this is in the 50s and 60s. So dad, um, well, we went to live in London. That's when he uh, was part of the the original team of Radio One, which started in 1967. Then 10 years later, he came back to Luxembourg. And of course, everything had changed. Um, the presenters were younger. Like no more neckties. <laughs> no you were more young neckties. Man. Everything was changed. Uh, and just to go, so when dad first came back to Luxembourg, I mean, his job was actually station manager, a desk job, because it had evolved. It was different to younger generation. And then one day he had to fill in because someone was ill and surveys were, were carried out on, on that evening. And in London, they said, wow. Uh, service, Barry's back on air. It just rocket high. We have to put Barry back on air all the time. So he went back and he did his top 20 show and until the end. So that was nice because we had, then dad actually had two generations of um, followers. Uh, and followers. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And you knew him. In oh, I worked time. with him every day. He was a great guy. I mean, Barry Aldis is, is, is a magic name in, 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 in not only British, but also European broadcasting. Uh I don't mean to, to 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 set up any barriers here, but he was certainly from the generation before mine. But he 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 overlapped, he, and, he, and he overlapped smoothly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's the sign of a great broadcaster, one oh, that can absolutely. transport through the ages. Yeah, yeah. And 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 to, to listen to Barry, it wasn't the rapid fire shotgun approach that's uh, that later became quite popular, and I capitalized on for a long time. He was very. He was a nice guy to listen to. If you listen to Barry Aldous on the radio, he was a real person talking to you. The communication Intimate. aspect of what of what Barry could bring across was so natural. Did you see that at home growing up with him as your father? Yes. I mean, often he wasn't at home. <laughs> um, no, uh, he was a very gentle person. Um, n- never a harsh word. That was left to my mum. Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, the hard job of mothers. Yeah. What do I recall? Um, okay, little recollections. I mean, he, he wrote lots of songs and he wrote for my brother and I a lullaby, which he played to us uh, before going to sleep with him. That was when I was very small. And uh, yes, little outings and... And tell us about the song that you have now oh, written right, right. in memory of him, which is a beautiful title. Under the, the Covers. That's the American version for Under the Bedclothes. Yeah. As my, my, my book. It's a dream come true. You know, all the time I felt this need to do something. And music was so important to Dad. And I thought I would like to express my feelings, uh, my heartfelt story into a song. Because that's when people listen to him, Under the Covers. Under the cover, Even me. But well, yeah. because when I was in boarding school... Alone, dark corridor, and I, oh, yes, I did feel the So I also listened to Dad under the covers. He comforted me. <laughs> I hear you on the airwaves, you were everybody's friend. The world at your microphone each night from May till 10. Along from my home comforts, but my school days had no end. Endless weeks of waiting till we meet again. Seaside stories, golden castles in the sand The taste of summer ice cream from the sky blue van The way you tell your stories, the tales of far off lands The feel of that won't glow when you held my hand 
And, and while I was doing interviews for, for the book, I mean, so many people said to me, oh, yeah, remember, Under the Covers, we listened. So it's a natural, the, the title is just automatic. And it's doing very well in the Heritage Charts. Wow, I mean, this is incredible. Yes, in the UK, they have this Heritage Chart uh, called... Uh, if you'd like to support it a little bit, you may vote. And I think it's wonderful. This week, it's at number 20. Now, my dad was known as Mr. Top 20. So, it's great. great. So, well, let's try and get it higher up the higher charts. Up. So, to do that, well, it's on heritagechart.co.uk. And what other songs are available on the Heritage Charts? Oh, Peter Gabriel. I mean, the... the it's, it's in fact um, artists who no, no longer find maybe their place in the uh, pop generation nowadays, but who are great artists. Yes, all, all kinds, really. Have a look. There are lots of, are lots of those. Have a look, uh, yes. It, 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 it's an epic feel. It really is. And so tell us, Benny, then, in your experience of living through radio your whole life, from those mowing the lawn days in Hawaii to the present day where you're still on radio, how has it evolved in your opinion? Oh, wow. Lisa, I mean, uh, when I was a kid, a teenager, a young teenager, I was I was enamored with the radio. I could sit up at night in my room, and not not so much under the covers because <laughs> this, this wasn't secretive. I wasn't supposed to be in bed, but I but but I but I had an old Hallicrafters. Uh, multi-band radio and I would twist the dial and I would listen to all these faraway radio stations. This is in the United States. And I would listen to, to these stations that would come in crackly and through the static in the ether. And I was just mesmerized by these guys. Why was it? Was it because of the idea of the adventure of travel of other parts of the world? Because of the music or the voices you were hearing? What was it that attracted you? That was you? part of it, but it also was, it was the personalities involved. Uh, some of the DJs that this was shotgun radio. These guys at uh, time and temperature and throw in a funny one-liner and jingle music, bang, and and it and it continued. And it wasn't just one. There were lots of these guys. And I could go from I could listen to WLS out of Chicago, or or or, 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 or I could sometimes pick up the, the the West Coast radio stations. I never got KHJ, but I always wanted to KFRC in in, in San Francisco, uh, uh, KOMA in Oklahoma City, uh, KAAY in Little Rock, Arkansas. These are all high power medium wave radio stations that that had magic personalities. The guys that were on the air, Matt the Cat, Wolfman Jack. The, the, these Dr. Don Rose, these names come to me as, as being not, not just guys that I would listen to, but also as mentors. Because everybody that everybody that works in radio at the beginning copies somebody else. There are no DJs that you hear on the radio that are instantly great, instantly good, uh, amazingly funny, capable people. They have to learn this, and the way you learn at the beginning is by copying. And 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 y you eventually morph into your own personality, or you get out of it. Um, and and it was it was this aspect of broadcasting these these personalities, these people, and, and of course the fact that it, that it was radio that you didn't see anything. It was yeah. all through, coming through the airwaves. So, do you think the art of radio, the voice is why podcasts, for example, have become so popular because there's an intimacy in hearing a voice. Why audiobooks, one reason why they might be so popular, apart from time constraints on reading, 
is because the voice is such an intimate, emotive vehicle for language. Yes, uh, y- you nailed it. I mean, it, it, it expresses emotion without there being something to look at. You can hear it. Uh, it, it, it's like the music that we listen to as well. You, you, the, the, the guys that put together the playlists, the, the radio playlists that are all powerful, uh, they, they work magic. This is not just let's play 20 records in a row and see what happens. Oh, no, there's a great deal of research that goes into this. And in your experience then, coming up to the present day, how do you feel about the metamorphosis of radio and media in general, which is... I mean, we're standing here today and you know that this show will go out on various platforms and social media, of course. Yes. How do you feel about the transmission of radio these days? Or part the spoken it, word, I should say. Part of it is a disappointment uh, as I look around and I listen. And I, and, I mean, I, I hear people on the air that obviously have not prepared, who, who don't have anything to say. And I had a program director years ago, a guy named Chuck Kelly. And Kelly told me, he says, the, the, the day comes that you don't have anything to say on the radio, you're out of a job. Because that's what I'm paying you for. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. If I can't have that, then I'll get somebody else. And and the, the old rules, if you're, you're going to be a success on the air and radio, you, you will have worked for your, for your biggest radio station by the time you're 35. Uh, or, or you'll be out. You, you, you'll be selling cars. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have the sales patcher down to a fine art. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, but, but you ask about today. The disappointment extends to, to very limited playlists. You hear the same hundred records over and over and over again. And, and there's something wrong with that. You're not, you're not giving the listener a chance. Maybe the listener wants something else. They don't want to hear the same song seven times a, a day. I'm sorry. I think that's why it's become so popular for, um, well, I think of my daughters, you know, to have your own playlists and Spotify and Absolutely. Apple and various else. You can make yep. your own list. And then, of course, the very clever algorithms in there find the type of music that you like and they add more and thinking, oh, you might like this, you might like this. But Sasha, I'm going to turn to you actually now because you grew up, of course, in Germany. And you are, I didn't know you were uh, a listener. Was, so tell us about this experience, you and your friends then, and how important radio is for you in your childhood. But let, 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 me, let me interject before, before Sasha answers that question <laughs> by, by saying that we had that, same, we had that same problem at AFN. I spent five years with AFN in Frankfurt, uh, which was the network headquarters. We had a yeah. great station in Munich, absolutely. Um, but they answered to us. And they did what we told them to do. And part of it was a case of, here's the playlist, don't change it. Don't vary from what we're sending you. Uh, but, of course, they would because they were far away and we couldn't hear them. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, we sure. just thought that they played so much better music because German, I mean, we, you know, growing up in Munich, it was Bavarian um, radio and, you know, it was very conservative. And so uh, for us, it, listening to AFN and then later Radio Luxembourg was amazing. And I know this this is, I think, also in the UK, obviously, there were such restrictions on what BBC could, oh. could play. It was... Yeah, such a breath of fresh air. Can, can I show you the book, the BBC Against Radio Luxembourg? And here's here's a book written, uh, well, a pamphlet. Um, hundred. But they tried long. to stop you, didn't oh, they? Absolutely. We they were our worst enemy. They, they 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 tried to keep us off the air. They they went before Parliament to try and ban the frequency. Oh, it was terrible. But because and and there was another reason as well. We were in it for the money. 
Radio Luxembourg, the great 208, has always been a commercial radio station. We make money. If, if we didn't make money in the early days by by playing the records that the, that the record companies wanted us to play, then we went to, to a form of, of spot advertising where if, if you want to sell whatever you got to sell, we'll sell it for you. Cars, banks, beers, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and anything if, you, if you've got a product we'll sell it you know early to bed early to rise work like hell and advertise uh, well what do you think of that do you think that's okay that's acceptable to have a radio station that is so commercial or do you think we should be propping up you know the public supported radio stations such as the bbc or well there's room for both there's certainly room for both absolutely um and let let, let the listener choose that's not a decision that management makes I mean, give give the listener what he wants. That was the BBC's big problem at the beginning. They would not play pop music, and 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 at Radio Luxembourg, that's all we ever did. I mean, and there are some great names that came out of the early days of Radio Luxembourg. You mentioned Barry Aldous, of course, absolutely one of the great jocks. But there was also Camille Felgen, who, who who's a national hero here, yeah, um, b- because of his, his his musical expertise. Uh, the, these guys played key roles in, in the development of commercial radio. Yeah, and then going back to you, Janet, I mean, you must have been a superstar at your boarding school as well. All of the girls around you must have known who your father was. Um, not really, because uh, it was a French boarding school. It was different. It wasn't, yeah, they didn't, yeah. Oh, they French like, boarding school. I thought you went to an English one. No, no, it was a French boarding school. And uh, like I said, we weren't really allowed to listen to the radio. So it was under the covers. <laughs> I kept it to myself. My little secret. Your pride in your father grew sadly after his death when mm. you were getting these hordes of letters and mm. tributes to him. And then I think, as we spoke earlier, your perception of who your father was completely changed for you yes i mean i, I knew he he was someone important but i had no idea to what ex- uh, scale that was i was just amazing and all these people willing to talk to me and the interviews and saying yeah what a great guy he was um and so well first with the book that was so important for me it was important um to discover more about yeah, him as a to person discover who he was and yeah and his impact on other people exactly because really you shared your father with the world right and and you know when he was on air it was like benny said it was a one-to-one communication so in a household if there was just one person that person wasn't alone dad was there or in a household uh, family i mean he was he was part of the household <laughs> name he, he was, was the voice uh, in the room mm-hmm. yeah yeah. And and because it was the only commercial radio station and the impact, I mean, you had records pluggers coming all the time um, from from the States. I mean, they wanted these artists, they wanted uh, um, stars to rise. And dad was really one of them, the maker or breaker uh, of a star. And Whichever came was, into that. It was that power yet. It, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing at that time as well how they would have uh, chosen. They would have been the ones who really chose what they play. You know, the power, like you say. Yes. I was just going to say, I think this is the amazing thing about the renaissance, renaissance of radio, actually, mm-hmm. is that what, what people do want is, is someone on the radio to, to recommend new music. So mm-hmm. you, you don't always want to hear the stuff that you know. And if, if you're following algorithms on Spotify, that you know, you will only get the kind of music that you're already listening to and I think this is what's really missing and why you need voices like Benny now sort of um, to something 
someone you respect listening to it and but also to introduce you to new things which yeah. is presumably what your father did right, for a whole exactly. generation right. I absolutely agree with that because I find it very difficult to listen to certain radio stations because like you said Benny some radio stations play the same thing oh, on repeat <laughs> and for me that's yeah. that hurts my ears yeah, and and it it gets more involved than that. There becomes an approach that the disc jockey has to make where he, Barry is a great example of, of the one-to-one broadcaster who essentially is a nice guy. You know that when you listen to Barry Aldous, I've got a friend on the radio. Yeah. Whereas when you listen to Benny Brown, what's he going to do? <laughs> it's about trust. You have to it, trust. It, 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 there, there are, there, there's room for both. Yeah. And Barry and I were worlds apart, but great friends. Great, I mean, I mean, dare, dare I tell it? Mm. Can, yeah. can, can I go in, in, in your personal resume, Janet? Of course. Long, <laughs> <laughs> What's going to come now? <laughs> it was a long time ago that when I, when my wife and I were living in Bertrange, raising our son Marcus, um, he was a little kid, and my wife and I, Marlies and I, wanted to go out. We got invited to parties, wanted to go to the movies, blah, blah, blah. I needed a babysitter for my son, didn't I? Well, he was five years old. Who do I get? I call Barry. I say, Barry, does your daughter babysit? Does does Janet Alda? Oh, she's a teenage girl. Maybe she would. Let me ask her. And he comes, yeah, sure. Hire Janet. So I, I, I willingly and enthusiastically and thought, well, I not only have a babysitter here, I got the daughter of a friend of mine. This This can't go bad. And it worked wonderfully for years. Nice times. Those were the times I wasn't allowed to go to the parties because sometimes mum and dad took me along when the other DJs had parties at home. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but not the time when I was visiting. Uh, sorry, looking I'm after Marcus. Marcus. So I drive to Bonneville, pick up, pick up Janet and bring her back to the house in Bertrand. And, and we'd, we'd go to the movies or whatever and come back and then t- take her home at the, at the end of the night. And show us what you have in your box of surprises here. Oh, I, I got all, all kinds of toys there. This is, again, a, a point where, where I really wish that this, this was more than just television because here, here here's here's a van. Corky made this van with Radio Luxembourg on the sides of it. Radio, and it's actually a radio because you put a battery in the bottom of it. Oh, that is open clever. Open the back doors and there's the tuning dial and and it, 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 it it's a radio. That is really, really <laughs> clever. And, and, and then the guys at Majorette came up with a radio television uh, unit that... that, that are, Did your son a, play a, with art. these? Was he allowed to play with these? Uh, yeah, these are all duplicates. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> these are all dad's versions. And there's a Renault Five. I mean, RTL had. We, we, I think we kept Renault in business because we had the, all, all of their cars. And then there's another one, a Volkswagen bus that's logoed up, Radio Luxembourg. Can you see this? Okay. This is fabulous. Oh, You've got it, a wonderful all, collection here. And, well, it was great fun for a guy. I mean, they're all cars. and Yeah, where are the girls' toys? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we didn't have stuffy animals or anything like that. Did you have any female broadcasters back then in the day? Yes, we did. Oh. Yes, we did. Um, uh, Ollie Henry, for one, uh, and Stuart Henry's wife. <laughs> um, but she happened to be on hand. <laughs> well, she was also good at what she did. No, I'm. I'm I've she, no she doubt very, she was good at what she did. I'm just saying the opportunities were less. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, the opportunities were certainly less. There are lots more women now on radio than there used to be, uh, and I don't think it's a matter of talent. I think it's a matter of just the, the society wasn't wasn't ready for it. Yeah, but uh, society has changed. Then to put women on the air involves other. Other than secretarial, well, uh, secretary, or, or or being the weather girl, 
<laughs> yes. You know, so, so many radio women were there because they were the weather girl. Yeah. As opposed to, 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 to doing something else. Um, we had newscasters. Um, uh, and this toy now, this, well, this next toy, one? This toy is actually is, is, a, is a paperweight, I guess you'd call it. And it, it has got Radio Luxembourg, the old Villa Louvigny. Beautiful villa. It's yeah. a glorious building. It's got a wonderful history. There are tunnels underneath the villa mm-hmm. that, that, that go out to, to the Cooperative du Parc. And there are stories of the engineers working late at night there that followed this tunnel. And Why are there tunnels underneath? It was a fortress, uh, and and there, there, the 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 Villa Louvigny actually is built on part of the old Fort Louvigny, which is one of the fortifications in the old days of of the, the city of Luxembourg. And this this metal here, this this paperweight of Radio Luxembourg, has got the um, the logo on the back where it says Leon. Uh, we used to joke and say it means Leon did it. <laughs> <laughs> and you actually worked in that building, Jenny. Yes, I and was, your mother, in fact. Y- right, yeah, it seems to be in, in the family. family. I worked for television. I was in the tower. Oh yes, the tower with the, the, tower. With the world's shakiest elevator. The world. Oh, that's true. That's that true. Dangerous but, lift. But the nice thing about the Villa Louvigny, we were a big family. So you had the Germans, the Luxembourgers, you had the French, you had the English, uh, mm. and you know, and all the time we we were going from the tower down. To, uh, there was this one great big room where all the f- photocopy machines were. So everyone kind of passed by, and it it was a beautiful atmosphere, and. Because it was much smaller than here, uh, RTL City now, uh, of course. Um, yeah, lovely, fun mem- memories. Also, yeah, seeing Benny Brown and the others. And and the the the, audit- the auditorium, uh, in, in well, the orchestra, yeah, yes. For, well, yeah, we're the orchestra. Orchestra, yeah, yeah. Yes, literally yes. an orchestra. Yes. I know, this is incredible. Yeah. The Radio Luxembourg Symphony, yeah. and they were, did recordings and all kinds yeah. of stuff. But we also had had touring acts. I mean, the Beach Boys played there. The Grateful Dead played mm-hmm. there. I mean, the, the the list of accomplishments that go back to to the the, the, the Villa Louvigny, as, as we waved the British flag of a Radio yeah. Luxembourg name. <laughs> Um, well, all the stars in the 50s, 60s, they, they came too. Oh, the absolutely. Villa Louvigny, I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, a wonderful history. Was, I mean, all, 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 big name, Victor Moan, mm-hmm. all these guys. Mm-hmm. And how can we make it again? How can we kind of build up this kind of rapport oh, around uh, radio, well, British radio, English-speaking radio in Luxembourg now? Well, the BBC's its own worst enemy. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't mean I don't mean to grind any axes, but the the, the fact is, it, it's overfinanced, and the people have to pay their money, and that it just it's, it's. I mean, Luxembourg, there, there there's no tax tax here to, to to support radio or television. There is in the UK. You betcha, there is. There are in other European countries too. Well, there is a tax in a different way. We pay taxes, and it's up to the government how they use it, and they do help support RTL. Uh, uh, this isn't the place for you to to, to to put your paperwork in to be a diplomat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely speaking. I mean, it, it, it gets to the point where where you have to draw the line and, and say, well, there's room for this and there's room for that. And, and I always felt that way. I always felt positively about Radio Luxembourg's contribution, whereas the BBC being our mortal enemy at times. Of course, at the end of the day, they're still on the air and we're gone. Part yes. of that's technology, medium wave broadcasting as opposed to FM stereo and DAB. Actually, why did Radio Luxembourg 
decrease in popularity? It, it, it decreased in popularity mostly technically. We had only a medium wave signal. And why did nobody think to change that? Well, we had the local FMs because FM doesn't go very far. I mean, FM, FM radio broadcasts are line of sight and they don't go very far, whereas medium wave bounces off the, stratos- uh, the troposphere and goes around the world. It, it, the, 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 okay. But that was the successful point for Radio Luxembourg. It was a successful point until in England and in the UK, local radio stations with stereo signals and impeccable reception perspectives were able to succeed. And it it, it, mm. it just it gets back to the gets back to the money involved. It costs too much. It costs money to pay the light bill to run transmitters like Radio Luxembourg had. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to leave our listeners with some nice positive thoughts about radio and the future of radio or the future of audio broadcasting, what would you like to send them off into their ears? Oh, uh, keep listening. <laughs> uh, change the station. Push the buttons. Uh, give give it a shot all over the place. Just keep listening, and 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 if you can't find something you, you like here, then push the button. Uh, the, the 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 push button radio is is one of the uh, the push button possibilities are part of what makes radio what it is. If you don't like it, change it. I'm don't so- complain about it. Change it. Yeah, be be the change you want yeah. to see, as they say. Well, I think that radio will always survive. There was a time, you know, when MTV started, and there was even the the video um, video killed the radio star. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but radio has survived. It will always survive. People want this one to one connection. Um, and also, just thinking about your wonderful song that you released, how can we help support it? Well, uh, by listening to it, first of all. <laughs> and then, well, this heritage job, which came for me out of the blue. I mean, this is fantastic. So, yes, let's prove that it can, yep, rise a little bit more. So, And don't forget it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube, it's on, it's on, it's on Spotify. YouTube. Spotify as well. You can find yeah, it in all yeah, sorts yeah, of places. Look up the Barry Aldous Project. Thank you. <laughs> look up the Barry Aldous Project on YouTube, and there it is. Yeah. And John Carr, who's the singer, does a great job with the song. So the... The Very Oldest Project on YouTube. Thank well, you very much. Absolutely. What a lovely tribute to your dear father, who, uh, of course, we'll put a picture of him on the website and the book and links to everything that you've just mentioned. Thank you very it. much. And just uh, with the Villa Louvigny, because we spoke about it, it, it is really so important to keep this history. And there is um, a, a transmedia documentary project uh, of the history of Radio Luxembourg in development by the historian um, Dominique Santana, produced by Bernard Michaud from, from Samsa Films and with a CNA, which is Centre, Audiovisuel, uh, Centre National Audiovisuel. So we're all doing this. And especially in, in the UK, there's a Roth, uh, sorry, Lynn Rothwell, who's getting so much material from the DJs because we want to build this up. History has to be preserved and Radio Luxembourg was such a gigantic name. So we're doing this for the future generations. And uh, the Villa Nouveau will be part of it, we hope. (laughs) It's a wonderful story and thank you so much for approaching us with us to tell the story of your father and to keep his memory alive and the heritage of what was a fabulous radio station. Sasha, any final words from you? Any thoughts? Well, I really want to ask Benny, is do you still enjoy broadcasting? Oh, absolutely. Really? Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> we love listening. So I wanted it. You never run out oh, of things no, to say. No, His voice no, is no, just no. like velvet, isn't yes. it? Yes. You know, this has been my entire life. And, and, and you know you know what they say, if, if, if you've got a, 
a, a job that you like, you'll never work a day in your life. Absolutely. And that's certainly true about, about me and radio. I mean, I, I, you talk to my wife, she'll tell you. <laughs> Get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Where is he? Listening to the radio. Oh. Uh, because there's always something there. Listening to the radio under the covers. Right. And mm, I must say, for, for most DJs, it's... You know, it's part of their life. My, my dad always said if he needs to go one day, he wants to go with his boots on. I mean, it's Radio for Life. They're so passionate about it. Mm. And, yeah. 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 I it, mean, I, I've, I've had so much fun. I mean, forget the stuff I've given away. I've given away everything. Given away cars. Given away motorcycles. <laughs> paid people's house payments. I mean, all, all of that goes goes right along with it, the financial aspects of, of, of being generous to people. But but it's always fun. It's always and, 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 and making people laugh. Does, sometimes it's stupid humor. Fine, stupid humor works. It certainly does. People need a lift. Uh, yeah. People always need a lift. We all have a cross to bear, even though we don't always see it in another person. Yeah, so, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you both so much. Thank you for sharing your stories with us and, and your wonderful voices as well. And Sasha, as always, thank you for being with us. Yes. It was a pleasure. It was really fun. Mm-hmm.